Obstacles are necessary on my journey to success. That is a quote by this week's guest, Sam Thiara. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Welcome to episode 135. I'm so excited and proud to say that I am a two-time author, a best-selling author. If you haven't picked up my books, I want to invite you to do so and do so now. My first book, From a Mess to Amazing, Seven Steps to Create the Life You Deserve, is my passion project. I am vulnerable in this book. I talk about the things I have been through in my life and how I've overcome them and how you can too, regardless of what your past is. You can pick that book up at my website, trinalmartin.com. Once you purchase the book, you can download the free companion workbook to go along with it to help you journal and take your notes. And my latest project is I am one of several authors on the anthology titled Make It Happen. It is a powerful book made up of powerful stories from all of the different authors just sharing how they have overcome something to make it happen in their lives. And I strongly encourage you to pick that book up just to encourage you. And you can pick it up through my website and That link is https forward slash forward slash bit dot Lee 33H and that's H is in hotel G capital G nine capital T capital W. The topic of this week's episode is you are the missing puzzle piece. My guest this week is Sam Thiara. Sam is a professional who created a personal Journey as a storyteller, writer, workshop facilitator, problem solver, educator, and entrepreneur. His goal is to engage individuals in their personal and professional development. Presently, Sam is the founder and chief motivating officer at Ignite, the dream coaching and consulting, a platform that engages his audience to define their path. He is a two-time TEDx speaker and the author of Lost and Found, Seeking the Path and Finding Myself. It focuses on his journey to India to find his ancestral roots with little else than a faded photograph and determination. Hi, Sam. Welcome to Trina Talk. Thank you. I look forward to being a part of this today. You know, I'm glad to have you. Um, I was just looking at your bio. You're doing so many fabulous things. But how I like to start it out is you tell the listeners who you are and how you came to be the Sam that you are today. Perfect. There are five things that guide and direct me in life. Servant leadership, story sharing, 
activator igniter, champion enabler, and community do-gooder. All of those five things resonate with me. And as a result of it, I've become a storyteller, speaker, mentor, author, educator, entrepreneur, community activator, problem solver. Those are the things that really make up my foundation. And anything that I undertake has to hit those five critical elements. And what was really interesting is when I started out, it was a usual corporate path. And I realized it just wasn't me. And eventually, it was like, no, there's got to be something else. And I love the way you said this. Let's find out who you are. One thing I've always said is, and this is one of the purpose missions and, and journeys that I'm on, is helping people realize it's not what you do, it's who are you. Only by understanding who you are, are you able to focus and go in a direction. And when I started looking at who I was, the pathway just seemed to emerge in front of me. Mm. You know, I'm I'm about to jump out of my chair because I love that. I love what you're saying, who you are, because so many times in life, people go through life and they don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. They're pleasing any and everybody. And they're trying to, you know, keep up with the Jones, Joneses, the status quo, whatever. Um, and it does. It takes some real work and inward reflection to find that out. And it's funny because probably about. 10 years ago, I had to do that for myself. Like, who is Trina? Who am I really? You know, not the person you're, you know, trying to please your parents or, okay, let me check these boxes in life so I can feel successful. It's like, you know, who are you? So very good. I'm, I'm glad. So this, that's makes me happy because I know we're going to have a good conversation. Um, but yeah, you're doing a lot of things and you said, you, you know, all of these things that you are and your passions, but Tell me um, what made you, how did you come to that realization that you are all of these things? Yeah, it was, it was a journey. And one of my favorite quotes is obstacles are the necessary bricks on my road to success. The obstacles I encountered, I never feared them. I never felt bad. I just was, these obstacles are actually necessary in my journey. I mean, think of it this way. I graduated from university years ago with a degree in business and political science with the understanding that once you graduate, okay, I'm ready. And who's lucky to get me? Mm-hmm. Well, I went out there. And back then, uh, you know, it wasn't about internet searches and <clears throat> emails. It was about actually typing your letter, hand delivering it or mailing it. And I started doing these letters. And I just remember sending out nine letters and then waiting for, okay, who's going to hire me? And a letter came back and I opened it up. It was from one of the companies and it said, well, we're not sure what you're looking for, but good luck in your search. Mm. And I thought, well, that's okay. I'll just send out three more letters. And it was almost like ebbs and flows. The more letters I sent out, the more rejections that came back. And Trina, I just want to share with you this. It's, um, 86 rejection letters. Wow, you kept kept them. I did. They came in and I kept them all. 86 rejections of companies who said, we don't know who you are. We don't have a job for you. Good luck. And I always love the, we'll keep your resume on file for six months, but Mm. you know where the file was, right? (laughs) The bin, the bin. (laughs) But it made me realize I wasn't prepared. I had this vision that just by walking out with a degree, that was enough but it wasn't enough. And 
my first job and, you know, I mean, I teach in university now and part of what I share with them is, you know, my first job when I got out of university was being a janitor, mopping floors and emptying rubbish bins in a hospital. And I said, but here's the thing. I never looked at it as a negative. There were three valuable life lessons I pulled. They actually carry me to who I am today. The first lesson was my father said, I don't care what you do. You do the best job possible. And do you know what? There was no floor cleaner than at the end of my shift. And there was no rubbish bin left full. The second valuable lesson, I would get on the elevator with nurses, doctors, administrators. And there were times I'd be ignored because, well, you're a janitor. We have nothing in common. I know what it feels like to be ignored. And there's so many people with stories who don't feel it's compelling. No, no. I will talk to you. I want to learn what your story is, no matter who you are. So I will talk to everyone. And the third valuable lesson is, you know, instead of looking at it as an absolute of this is bad, I said, what am I going to learn by being a janitor? And it carries me to who I am today is anything that I undertake, instead of looking at it as an absolute of good or bad, what can I learn? Mm. And what I really appreciate from those letters I look at now is, do you know that if one of them would have materialized, I wouldn't be here with you today? Mm-hmm. And the other part is I look at these letters and many of those companies no longer exist, but I still <laughs> do. As individuals, we're resilient. and But it really made me start to think about, I did this all wrong. And then, you know, slowly got into the corporate world. It didn't fit. Mm-hmm. And then when I started saying, okay, but who? And then it suddenly made sense. And I said, this is the direction I need to go. And it was through uh, self-reflection, introspection. And I I think from what I mentor and coach three to eight people a week, people aren't doing this. And this is where I get them to stop and just slow down and think. Wow. You know, like I said, I, you know, our first sentence, I knew this is going to be a great conversation because, oh my goodness, we are on such the same level here. Cause I, I, I love that. I love that introspection. I, cause I've been the one that has been in corporate and been so unhappy, you know, because yeah. you think, okay, I went to the university, I got this degree. I'm supposed to get this high powered, high paying mm-hmm. job. And that's not what fuels a lot of people. Well, me, mm-hmm. some people it does. Um, it's not what fuels people. And I have been on a journey to actually find, pursue my destiny, pursue what I was called and made to do. And this podcast is part of it because like you said, you like talking to people and I do too. I, I think that's one of my superpowers is I, I like listening and I like talking to people. And I find that um, people come to me and they tell, talk to me and they tell me things that they probably wouldn't have normally told anyone because they get, they feel that trust with me. So it's very interesting um, that you brought that up. And, you know, I mean, I saw you said you're a storyteller. I I really wanted to delve into that because me being a professional speaker, that's kind of what I do, right? Storytelling, you you know, my goal is to be one of the great orators, Mm -hmm. you know, someone who speaks and you can, by my words, you can have a picture. So how did you become the great Mm -hmm. storyteller? It all happened because I was asked to do a TEDx talk. And when I was asked to do the TEDx talk, I thought, what am I going to talk about? And someone said, look, you tell 
stories. Why don't you talk about storytelling? And I thought, okay. But then it was more like, I just tell stories, but I never really broke it down. Mm -hmm. And then when I started thinking about it, there were five things that really make up my essence of storytelling. And it actually became an acronym of CARPE. CARPE DM sees the day, but CARPE, curiosity, appreciation, reflection, perspective, and experience. Mm -hmm. In other words, we need to go forward with curiosity. Open your eyes and see things around you that, and this is where the talk was discover the extraordinary out of the ordinary, because we're surrounded by the ordinary. But what we don't realize is embedded in the ordinary are these tremendously extraordinary experiences. And curiosity is what stops you. So you might see something and all of a sudden you're like, huh, wait a minute. Appreciation is appreciating someone or something for more than what it is. And that gets you to start reflecting, which is the R piece of Carpe. Because reflection is where you start diving deeper into it to add purpose and meaning. And then P stands for perspectives. We all have perspectives. And E stands for experience. In other words, you need to capture and catalog the story or it dies an untimely death. And actually, let me, let me share an example of how I built the stories or through Carpe and how simple it is. I mean, for years now, I've been walking around and I hand out puzzle pieces. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Now, I've given about 5,000 pieces in the world to date. And this is an example of how you take something ordinary and make it extraordinary. Because if I gave you this single piece of a jigsaw puzzle, what can you do with one piece? Not much. Mm -hmm. But this is what people feel like. They feel like that single piece of a jigsaw puzzle. Don't know where we fit in and whatnot. But I'm going to make it extraordinary using that carpe principle. Because instead of focusing on this, let's focus on the satchel, where it came from. If I give you a piece of my jigsaw puzzle, do you realize my puzzle is now permanently incomplete without you? Do you realize how important you are? Something as simple as that is taking something ordinary and making it extraordinary. And I've had people say it's taped to their mirror. Every morning they wake up, it reminds them someone said that they mattered. It's in their wallets. It's traveled around the world with people. Uh, And I hear from people and it's, they show it to me when they get to events. Uh, But that's where the carpe principle comes in because curiosity, it stopped me more than what it was, a puzzle piece. Mm. I appreciate it for more than what it was. I reflected and added purpose and meaning to it. And then my perspectives was about connectedness and about the uh, the importance of connectedness. And then when I captured the essence of it as an experience, now I have this and I carry it with me all the time. Wow. That was pretty profound. How did you come to that? How, what, how did you sit and think about that? Because mm-hmm. that was amazing. Yeah. You give away a puzzle piece. You're incomplete. So you Mm -hmm. need this other piece to be complete. So that means that this piece is important. How did you come to that? Actually, it was back a few years back when I was, I I had turned 50 and I told my, my wife said, okay, what, uh, what, you know, uh, what do you want to do for your birthday? And it was coming like in 2011. And she said, 2012, it's your 50th birthday milestone. She wanted to do a huge party, celebration, speeches, head table, dance. I said, great, but I won't be there. <laughs> she said, oh, what do you want? And I said, uh, you know what? I'm going to blog. I'm going to start blogging about from January 1st to December 31st, the extraordinary and the ordinary. 
And I came up with 109 blog posts of things that I had done all year long that just simple, small things and big things, but things that really resonated. And then at the end of it all, on January 1st, 2013, I listed my 50 most memorable experiences. And people started saying, well, you can't end. You've written all this stuff. Now, what are you going to do with it? And I thought, oh. So they said, let's do a celebration. So 100 people came out and we were in a, a, a place and I was like, but what can I do? And then that's where, again, I start thinking about connectedness and how important these people are to me and everything. And as they all walked in, I gave everybody a piece of a jigsaw puzzle. And I just remember they didn't make any sense at that point because I hadn't said anything. And I saw it sitting on the table next to them, next to their beer stein and uh, uh, all these uh, you know people just talking to each other. And then as soon as I mentioned the story and the essence of what this was about, all of a sudden, Everybody just grabbed their pieces, put it in their wallets, mm -hmm. in their purses. And it just, but that's how it all started is I said, how do I connect these wonderful souls that are important to me that have been on my journey? And that's how, that's how I vision and, and reflect on things. But I do this all the time. Like, you know, people say, well, listen, you talk to three to eight people a week and it's been like 5,000 conversations. Do you ever get tired? And I said, actually, the, I worry about the day they don't want to talk to me. Mm. And then I used this idea of, if you think of my life as a bucket, a giant bucket, and people that I interact with, I'm pouring my contents into their bucket. My bucket is depleting. <laughs> but you know what? I'm not a bucket. I'm a lit candle and a room full of unlit candles. And when I meet somebody and our wicks touch, there's a huge flame. And as we pull apart... I'm no less depleted and I've lit somebody else up. So I'd rather, and it, as soon as it was a mindset shift of I'm not a bucket, but a candle, mm -hmm. I'm like, bring it on. I can talk to as many people as I want because that's what it's about for me. Wow. I, I love that. I'm going to steal that. So I'm just going to let you know, <laughs> I'm going to use it. Of course. But uh, you know, you're saying that, and I'm actually really, I'm thinking because mm -hmm. that's a good analogy for, Mm -hmm. Just life in general, right? Just yeah. people collaborating because I think so many of us operate in the scarcity mindset. Yeah. You know, I can't help, I can't help Sam because if I help Sam, that may take something from me. Um, mm -hmm. and and if people look at it, like you said, that change the mindset is okay, I'm a candle, I can light your wick, but I'm still lit. Yeah. And then you know, you can go on and like the next person, so on and so forth. I think um, there will be more people who are willing to work together, totally. um, you know, more collaboration. Um, and it's just, it's really amazing mm -hmm. um, how people don't do that because they think, and I mean, th the planet is big. There's enough for everybody, you know, totally. you doing coaching and me doing coaching. We're not going to make, you know, any less because somebody else is doing it. Um, so that's really, that's really, um, really profound. Now, when you're doing your mentorship, are these things that you talk about with, with the people you're working with? Oh, totally. It's, it's more of, I've got a treasure trove of stories, experiences. And when we start our session, my first question is, what do you want to talk about today? And then I have this idea of, okay, I've got these stories in my mind. And as they're speaking, I'm pulling these virtual stories to help them and to support them. And 
I mean, it's amazing that, you know, you share with people and then I've been doing this for 20 plus years and they're still in touch with me. And, you know, I'm surrounded by greatness. And the thing is, you have to do it very authentically. Never look at what's in it for me. Right. And I've never said that, but these individuals are coming back saying, well, what can I do for you? And I'm like, no, no, that's okay. Even yesterday I needed a logo and I just reached out to someone saying, what do you think of this? And she says, oh, wait. And she worked on it. She goes here. And she sent me like six different logos back going like, here you go, pick one. Yeah. And I was like, well, but you know, I didn't, she, she knows I didn't ask for it, but right. they were just, they just go out of their way for you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, and that's something that I found as well. Like I said, I, I like talking to people and I started this podcast because of just out of the sheer fact of wanting to talk to people, not trying to get anything or anything like that. Um, but I have met some awesome people that I have stayed in contact with. And I was telling someone I had a lady like when I f- first started doing the podcast that I interviewed and last year she called me and she's like, Hey, I'm doing this anthology and I'm looking for authors. Would you like to be an author? You know, a part of this anthology. And I was like, yeah. And just like you, people are always, you know, coming back, talk people, Hey, you know, I need you to speak here or let's collaborate. Let's do some things. And it's just, it's just a matter of being kind and being authentic. Um, And I, it has just been, this has been the most unexpected reward. You know, because it was something I just did, um, not looking to get anything out of it. And just the relationships that I have been able to foster have been like the most amazing thing. Totally. And also, I think, you know, we are in a difficult and challenging time right now. Mm -hmm. And one thing I share with people is there is a need for us to care right now. And what we mean by care is one word you actually use collaboration. Mm -hmm. We're not in this by ourselves. We have to collaborate with each other. And uh, I was talking to somebody in Zimbabwe just the other day. And through that conversation, now we have a partnership or a relationship where she's like, Sam, I need you to do workshops on leadership. So collaboration, the A is adaptability. In other words, how do we change things, pivot Mm -hmm. based on the circumstances around us? And R is resilience, meaning we're not in this for the short haul. Like it's not a it's not a hundred meter dash. This is a marathon. How do you build resilience into your life so that you can carry on and not expend yourself? And E is empathy. We need to care and show compassion to each other at this time. It's critical. So we need to care, collaborate, adaptability, resilience, and empathy. Yes. So I mean, that's such such uh Mm-hmm. It's just great. It's great to put out in 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 the world. You know, it's so great. And when you're working with people and, and you're talking, do you find people who may be resistant to that? Like, like, oh, you know, no, cynical or whatever. Mm-hmm. How how are the people that you're talking to and working with? How are they receiving your mm-hmm. message that you're putting out? Right. Uh, when I teach my class you're going to get the outliers one or two out of 120 that just don't resonate with the message, but they're the ones that I probably will not connect with. I find that the ones that I I do connect with are the ones who actually seek me out either personally from their own experience or someone's told them you need to speak with him. Um, It's about building your personal brand. Mm -hmm. And the way I describe it is, are you a corner store 
or are you Starbucks? And the reason I use those analogies is, I mean, you've got corner stores and they sell, you know, food related items, lottery tickets, hardware, coffee, fried chicken, any number of things. Mm-hmm. And let's say it's a beautiful day and you want to go buy a pair of flip-flops. Now, you could go into that corner store because they may have flip-flops, mm-hmm. but would we go into Starbucks? And the answer is no, because we know it's tea, coffee, and food-related items. So it's about being that Starbucks type of brand where everybody knows who you are. Now, people may argue, well, but if you are the corner store and you can offer all of these things, isn't that better? Well, here's the thing, but people don't know what you offer. But when you, and this is where it goes back to what you said earlier, Trina, about, you know, you're a coach, I'm a coach. And, you know, the world is big enough that, you know, I'm not going to take people from your area and vice versa. We're out here to help people. Mm -hmm. But you create that brand and people find you because of the support you've given to other people. Mm -hmm. They're coming back to you or they find you as a result. And that's what I find is the people who come to me are already either searching or they have an idea of what they're going to get. And, and, you know, and that's great. And I want to kind of continue on that path. So when you're, so your advice, let's say for entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. who are starting out and want to collaborate with other people Mm -hmm. and they just don't know how to do it, or they think, you know what, I'm, I'm the small person in this big C, right. Would you suggest that they do? Yeah, there's this wonderful tool called Business Model Canvas, and it's a it's a wonderful tool where there's nine segments and sections. The most important part is the value proposition. That's the one I look at. And when I talk to an entrepreneur, the first thing I'll ask is, what's your value proposition? What what makes you unique so that I'll come to you and not your neighbor or the person that's the other business? And it's interesting because majority of the people that I talk to, when I ask them that question in the very initial stages, we're going to provide the best customer service. It's like, no, no, that's not a value proposition. That's what you're supposed to do. So what is it that really is the essence of your business and makes you unique? So it's about uh, doing the narrative, personal narrative and their company narrative and merging the two together so that it becomes that story. And I really want to help people realize those narratives and realize why they're pursuing this business or this idea, even if it's on the side. Mm-hmm. I mean, success is many different ways you can measure it. Success can be measured by monetary, how much revenue are you making? Mm-hmm. Or success could be how much of an impact you're making. And it just varies. But, you know, success is what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's... Um... That's so true. And like you said, the value proposition is like, what do people get when they get you? Uh, mm-hmm. And and that's something that, yeah, a lot of people don't know or, you know, it's like, well, mm-hmm. why? Yeah, it's like, okay, I can go to Starbucks, but what makes your tea so good that I would come to you by Starbucks? You know, what, mm-hmm. what are you going to tell me? And that's a good thing. And I think a lot of times, you know, you talk to people and they're like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to have my own business. And they think it's something that's going to happen overnight or they think they're just thinking about the money aspect of it. And it's like, well, you got to be in it for more than the money. Cause I mean, I've been doing this for a while and I'm like, okay, yeah. Cause the money is not going to come right away. So you got to be in it for more than the money. You got to have that passion, that, that, yep. you know, resilient, that relentlessness yep. to 
persevere and to do it. And, yeah. and, and I'm glad you're saying all of this because our listeners, if there's someone out there who's thinking that like, oh, well, they did it or he did that, she did that. I can do that as well. You know, and my, my philosophy is I tell people, you know, you see my glory, you don't know my story. So they're looking at somebody who's here and they're there and they're thinking, oh, well, I can do that. Well, you don't know what that person did in their journey to get to that point. No. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's exactly. Yeah. Well, no, to your point, I mean, uh, the, the trenches, people never see you in the trenches. Mm-hmm. What they see is the end result. And I've had this happen where, you know, people have said, look, you're not going to accomplish this because of any number of reasons. Uh, part of it, for example, is, you know, I wrote a book about my journey to India mm-hmm. to find my ancestral roots. All I had was a photograph and very little else, a faded photograph at that. And people told me there's a lot of noise, you know, you can't find it. If you find it, you may not get a good reception. You have no idea. We did, we were looking for a needle in a haystack mm-hmm. and we didn't even know where the haystack was, right. but through persistence, through overcoming obstacles and not listening to the noise, mm-hmm. I went in search of it and I found my grandfather's house. Really? And it's a, yeah, no, it's, it's one of those really cool stories that uh, captured and it was about about really the, putting something together that uh, was very important. And okay, so if I didn't find the village, is it a loss? And the answer is no. I experienced a country, uh, people, stories. And I also found my own identity because I'm a British-born Canadian. Parents are from Fiji. Grandfathers come from India. So people will be like, what part of India are you from? And I'm like, well, I was born in England, raised in Canada. They're like, no, 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 your parents what part of India? And I'm like, well, they're from Fiji near Australia. Mm-hmm. They're like, are you Indian? And it's like, well, yeah, my grandfather's come from India. And then others who are like, you're not Indian, you're Canadian. And it's like, whatever that is. Right. So people struggle with this identity piece. And it, it's interesting because it's, we also get that uh, conversation with people saying, where are you from? And it's like, well, born in England, raised in Canada. No, no, really. Where are you really from? Right. Right. How do you answer that? Right. And I realized by going on that journey, um, there's an Indian dish called a tali, which is a platter with segmented dishes. And my life was always a tali, so British, Canadian, Indian, and Fijian. But by going to India, I realized I'm a dish called kichdi, and kichdi is a rice dish where you go to your fridge, you basically pull whatever's in your fridge that's vegetables, and you add spices and everything, sort of like an omelet. Yeah. And it becomes a blend of flavors. So instead of segmenting, I realized I'm a blend of flavors and I can appreciate all of those flavors. So the book is called Lost and Found, Seeking the Past because I went in search of my ancestral Mm -hmm. roots, but finding myself because I really did find my own identity. Wow, that's amazing. So you took a photograph and were actually able to track down a grandparent or well, the grandparent's home. (laughs) The house, my grandfather's house that he left when he was 17. Actually, this what? is the picture that I took with me right there. How did you That's do all. that? Well, it, it wasn't easy. Um, it was because, you know, we had misinformation and uh-huh. it was just back and forth. But until I said, nope, I'm not giving up and I'm going to be persistent in this. And I said, forget what everyone has said. I'm just going by the minimal amount of information I have. And then just little, like a jigsaw puzzle, putting all the pieces together, we arrived 
And these people came out of a house and this one lady, the one, I don't think you can see it there, but this lady right here, uh-huh. she comes out of this house, looks at the picture and she goes, this is me. Who, who are you? Really? Oh my goodness. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's a great story. So you went to that actual house that's in that photograph? Was that yes, house? Yes, to my grand uh, it's it's changed, but the but those are our family members who we had disconnected with from like many, many, many years ago, th- almost three generations. Yeah. Wow. And my grandfather left when he was 17 from the village, landlocked, was on his way to Argentina from India, but the boat stopped in Fiji and he got off, and that's where my grand my my grandfather. Now we don't know why. Did he think it was Argentina? <laughs> Did he just sort of say, I've had enough of this? Or maybe it's a beautiful place. Right. I want to get here. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, man, you have inspired me. That is just really amazing. The fact that you went to a, another country with just a photograph. Yeah. And you found somebody in the photograph. That's a, even more amazing. It's like, oh, my goodness. Well, and the idea is I had to do this because what I write about in the book is when I was nine years old, my father became a paraplegic from an industrial accident. Okay. And he's still with us, but you know, he had never been to India. And I thought, no, I have to do this for him. Mm-hmm. So I was really persistent on wanting to do this. And also, if I don't do this, no one else in my family is doing this and literally was just a thread that connected us back to the village. And if one more generation went, we're never going to find this village. But I went in search and actually I took Ziploc bags in my pocket because I said, if I find this village, I went out into the fields where now we did find it and I scooped up dirt and I brought the dirt home to my father. So he's got his father because he had never been to India. So I gave him the soil from his father's house as a bit of a memento. Oh, wow. That's great. I mean, and so I want to know your take on this. So you're Mm -hmm. you're talking about being resilient, relentless. Mm -hmm. How did you get to this point? How do you get to the point where you can um, dismiss the chatter, all the chatter that's going on, all the naysayers? How do you get Mm -hmm. to that point? I think I, I internalize it. And I always say that the best thing anyone can say is you can't do it because I'm going to prove you wrong. And it's not a matter of cockiness, but it's more like, no, I'm, I, I can do this and I'll put effort. And I always say that if I can't get over the wall, around the wall, under the wall or through it, I'm going to find people that are going to be there to support me and get me over, under, through, but mark my words, I'm going to be on the other side of the wall. It's this whole idea. And it goes back probably to, you know, what happened to our family when I was nine with my father being a paraplegic is seeing that we decided at that early stage, we weren't going to dwell on the 1000 things that he could no longer do. We chose to look at the 5000 things that he could do, mm-hmm. and that we could do. Mm-hmm. So we never looked at it as, yeah, he's he's got a disability. But mm-hmm. again, instead of just hunkering down on that, we decided to say, Nope, it's not good. It's not bad. It's what happened. We have to deal with it and we'll move on based on this. And I think that's where some of my foundational resiliency came from is just not accepting it. Right. And it Mm -hmm. seems like, Sam, it seems like, um, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, that Mm -hmm. you pretty much grew up in a positive environment where Mm -hmm. 
it wasn't hard for you to have this mentality of, mm-hmm. no, I'm going to persevere. No, it's not that bad. Um, let's mm-hmm. look at things in a different light. Cause yeah, mm-hmm. like you say, you guys could have said, Oh my God, mm-hmm. you know, life is over, you know, but y- you didn't, you took no. the tragedy and yep. turned it around. So that's something great. Cause I think a lot of people don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's because of the environment that they grew up in where that kind of resiliency was not, you know, put in their, their head that, okay, we can overcome anything. We can get past that. But it's so sad because I think about people who commit suicide, you know, you think, okay, you, you're making a permanent decision over a temporary circumstance. You're, you're just looking at today Mm -hmm. and you're not knowing what tomorrow, next week, next year, whatever, um, things seem bleak today, but you don't know what's going to, what's on the other side. And I think, yeah. And, and I, I don't know, what is your, what is your take? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's a, because we're a world of instant gratification now Yeah. that we're like that? What do you think? Yeah, it's, it is very difficult. And, you know, it's, it's even difficult for us to put ourselves in the position of the person that is willing to take their own life. And we have experienced it in our in our close relations that someone has taken their own life, and you know, it's it as an as a bystander or an outsider, you can look at it and say, well, you know, you know, you could have overcome this, or you never know what was coming up. I think for the person going through it, it's just so all consuming. The walls are just so high that they can't even see out of this bleakness and darkness. And, you know, maybe through a conversation with someone, all of a sudden, you provide something to them that, that just maybe is something different. Uh, The the puzzle piece, for example, maybe that's all they're really needing at that point in time, not to say that's what it is. Again, I'm all about acronyms. But uh, there's another one I spoke at a mental wellness conference, and I talked Part of it is, what am I going to talk about? And I said, it starts with us. And S stands for support. In other words, to your point on that, we need to create a supportive environment, whether you're the person going through a difficult time or the person who's facing that person going through a difficult time. We need to create a supportive environment. Uh, By doing that, the T emerges, which is trust. Mm -hmm. So now we develop a level of trust and uh, that person starts to trust you. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to the, the a, which is appreciation. When you're going through a difficult time, you're not appreciating the small things in life any longer. Just everything is so consuming and overwhelming. Well, how do we appreciate again is through reflection. Mm -hmm. So that's the R and T the start stands for talk. In other words, we need to have conversations with each other in not judgmental ways. We need to have open dialogue. And just for us, if I'm a support person, you know, and someone's going through a difficult time, maybe what I just need to do is listen, but that's where the talk. And if we do this, the S at the end stands for strength. We, we do all of this. We come to a position of strength, but again, I never want to say that I know what that person is going through because I don't. And it is very difficult. And I, I really feel for people that they see it as there is no alternative. And, um, you know, but maybe if we have those conversations, you may prevent something from happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
So let's get more mm-hmm. upbeat. <laughs> so with, because uh, you're a professor, um, mm-hmm. you're a professor and you're doing the mentoring. Um, wow. Just, yeah, just how did you get into all that? Because you're, you're doing a lot, you know, you're speaking, mm-hmm. you're doing the mentoring, you're being a professor. Have you always mm-hmm. wanted to do that, you know, where you connect with people and, and have you always been this person or have you evolved into this person? I think it was more of, it was within me, but it had to evolve. And through those experiences along the way, those are the breadcrumbs that brings me back to who I am. But I needed to have gone through those experiences of the janitor working in retail, working in a corporate job and realizing it's just not me. And then slowly discovering it And then it became more and more clear. And to be fair, Trina, I look at myself right now going like, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. You know, seven years ago, I was never an author. Mm -hmm. uh, And just it emerged and I had to do it. And it really resonates to what I really started in the beginning is servant leadership, story sharing, activator, igniter, champion, enabler, and community do-gooder. And when I coach and mentor people, that's one of the critical things. I call it the five core elements. What are the five things that guide and direct you in life? In other words, not career, but life. If you wanted to build a house, you need a solid foundation. To build a life, you need a solid foundation. But we're always just doing, but we haven't really taken the time to understand what we're doing or how we're doing it or why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. So I asked people, I said, what are the five things that are just really important to you? And then there's a process we go through. And I'll say, okay, pick... uh, tell me something that's important. And they say, well, family's important. I said, okay, so why is family? Because the keyword is why. Mm -hmm. Tell me why is family important? Next thing you know, they're saying, well, it's about feeling connected to my family. It's the relationship I have with them. And I say, okay, so is it family? Let's pull that away. Let's pull the strings, relationships and connection. Now that becomes a much more broader word that you can then corporately or uh, entrepreneurially say, yeah, no, building connections and relationships. Family is still important, and that's now embraced in there. When you come up with five things that make up your foundation, you now have something to compare it against as opportunities emerge. Mm -hmm. And so writing. So I talk about goals versus intentions. I don't have goals. And people are like, oh, my gosh, you're aimless. I'm like, no, I'm not aimless. Mm -hmm. I have these intentions, those five things. Mm -hmm. So goals are very linear and absolute. So if an opportunity emerges, do you give up the opportunity or do you give up the goal? Mm. So I don't deal in absolutes that way. Instead, I do with the intentions. So when writing emerged, if it was a goal, I wouldn't be a writer today because I would have had to toss it aside because it wasn't a goal. Mm -hmm. But instead, when I looked at writing, I said, it hits all five out of five. I have to do this. Mm. And that's what I look at is anything that I undertake has to hit five out of five. And when you hit five out of five, you don't have a job or career. You actually have fulfillment. Wow. wow. That's amazing. That is, that's really amazing because I think um, that's what we should all have is fulfillment, mm-hmm. right? But so many of us have mm-hmm. a job and have a job mm-hmm. that we're unhappy in, but we have a life and we have to have a livelihood. So mm-hmm. that's what we do. Um, so before we get into our questions, I have one more question for you. Sure. So with those five things and you're telling people to um, 
you know, look inside of self and what's made. How do they start that? How would somebody who, if I were, you know, somebody that came to you and said, you know what, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. How do I get started to gather all this information about myself? Mm -hmm. That's a very good point because the way I would do is I would through again, reflection and introspection. I'd say, tell me about the work you've done in the past. What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? And tell me why. What courses have you done in, in either high school or college or university? Which ones did you like and which ones don't you like? And tell me why. What do you do on your spare time and socialize, social life? But why do you do those? What is it that guides you? Now, that's when now you start saying, okay, let's sift through this and find some words. Now, people are fearful. Like, what if I pick the wrong words? And I'm like, you know what? You're going to change these words as you go through life. Mm -hmm. So don't worry about, are these the right words? Pick the five. And now you have something to compare it against. So now you look at your job. Maybe it hits three out of five. Mm -hmm. So what's missing? Now you have something to compare. And can you incorporate that at work? Or what's missing? And do you need to now reframe and focus? Do you need to do some courses in that area that you're missing to bring your proficiency up? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's all about asking yourself why and then building on that. And don't be afraid to pick words and then change later on. You can always change. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's that's a very good, very good um, start for someone. Yep. So we're going to get into the questions. Are you ready? That's good. I'm ready. Okay. So who or what motivates you? I hope this doesn't sound cocky. Myself. Okay. And it's always... Um, wanting to do the best and the right for myself uh, to be on the right track, because I think that I represent people around me. Mm -hmm. And so I try to be true to that. Okay. What demotivates you? I would say people that only dwell on problems, but not on the uh, opportunities and solutions. I mean, people will tell you what the problems are mm -hmm. and then that's it. They, they're like, yeah, it's not going to work and all that. No, no. There's an opportunity for us to come to a solution. I roll up my sleeve saying, okay, how do we solve this? Mm, okay. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked out for your good? Probably when someone, when I was working in retail, the person told me that I was uh, not the a person that would work well or did, didn't do the right thing. And they just were very mean about it. Next day, I handed my resignation in and I decided to move on. And it was one of the best things I could do. And the other part was uh, a high school counselor who said, Sam, I don't think you're suited for post-secondary. You might want to rethink your plans. And it wasn't because of my marks. He just said, I don't think you'd fit in. And again, I persisted. Now I teach university classes. <laughs> I never listened to them. Wow. Amazing how that works, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Oh, what is your fear? My fear, actually, it's the fact that I become outdated or that I'm not helping people to the best of my abilities. I just want to, I've, I've been given an opportunity to share and I never want it to be seen as self-serving or that uh, I'm on a pathway that is not a genuine, authentic pathway. That's what I fear is, is that people feel I, I you know, not, 
worthy of that. Uh, just to add into there, it's also about this concept of leadership. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that people strive to this thing called leadership. Mm -hmm. And I always say, you know, you're not a leader. People around you determine if you're worthy of the title. And it's not that I'm seeking this title. So the fear is, what is it that I hope I never hurt anybody along the way? Mm, that's good. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Actually, I'd have to say no, because as I said in my quote before, obstacles are the necessary bricks on my road to success. And uh, it's not that I'm trying to avoid the question, but I just take whatever never really worked or whatnot and bring it into myself. And <clears throat> I always say that the word failure never exists in my vocabulary. Setbacks do, but there's a difference. Same thing mm -hmm. uh, happens, but a failure is fatal. And I choose not to see that. And instead a setback is pick myself up, dust myself off, learn from it and move on. Okay. Well, I'm not going to even ask you the other question. because you. <laughs> what is your definition of success? It's making a positive impact on individuals and not in a broad spectrum, mm -hmm. but as a very laser pointed impact. Because if I can see one person who sees the world differently as a result of me being present, I've changed the world, but not through my eyes. I changed the world through the eyes of the people that I help. And I want to continue to do that because I think if, if we spend that time and someone now sees the world differently, we change the world. Mm. <sighs> uh, how do you recharge? Mm -hmm. I recharge by finding my outlet, <clears throat> either writing or woodworking. Just prior to this, I was out in my garage woodworking and, uh, I find that's very therapeutic. I could be sandpapering for a couple of hours and this is where my thoughts and ideas are emerging because I think finding something that just is seen as mundane mm -hmm. actually reinvigorates us. It could be going for a walk. It could be yoga, any number of things. But for me, it's writing as well as um, the outlet and Trina conversations. This is invigorating for me. Mm -hmm. What are you awesome at? Building relationships and caring about people and supporting their journey. That's my superpower. Mm. What legacy do you want to leave? A legacy is interesting because we really can't take anything with us. Mm -hmm. But the only things we can take is our reputation and how we made people feel. Mm -hmm. Um, my legacy is the fact that I don't want to be a bystander in life. Mm. So this is why I've worked with so many nonprofits and individuals is I've chosen not to be a bystander in life. Oh my God. I love that. Ooh. Give the listeners one motivational takeaway. My quote that I live by is everyone's life is an autobiography. Make yours worth reading. Every single one of us has an autobiography. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say you have to go out and do dangerous things, but just know that if it's important to you, it's a story worth sharing. But everyone's life is an autobiography. Make yours worth reading. And it's a challenge that uh, I put to my students. It's been quoted in 10 graduation ceremonies out of 34 that I've attended. Uh, my students just 
embrace it and yeah, just live your autobiography and keep building stories. Wow. Tell the listeners how they can connect with you. Um, Mm -hmm. Like if you have a book coming out, if they want to work with you with the mentoring, tell them how they can work, uh, find you. Sure. Uh, LinkedIn is always very easy to find me on LinkedIn. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. My website, uh, that's where if people are interested in the book or if they're interested in uh, learning more about, well, I've got about 170 blog posts about life and career experiences and things, but it's all free. Um, So they can always tap into my website, which I think you might be putting in the notes and stuff Mm -hmm. or perfect. So this is a way that they can uh, connect with me. I've written a book on personal storytelling to help people build their stories. Mm -hmm. And then I've also got the book about my travels to India to find my ancestral roots. So those are two ways uh, that uh, you can learn more about me, but connect with on LinkedIn or Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all of those places you'll find me. Wow. Well, Sam, thank you for taking time out to speak with me today on Trina Talk. I love the conversation. Hopefully, we'll um, keep in touch. We will. Um, And you just have a great day. Uh, Thank you so much and for the opportunity just to sit back and have a lovely conversation. If you like Trina Talk podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.